welcome to the Soar Community Network podcast with your host, Malie Ponpadit. Here, inside our community, we help each other see, own, articulate, and release our unique message and mission into the world. Uncover your gifts and talents, release your passions, own your purpose, and let's soar together. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the SOAR Community Network podcast. I am your host, Mali Ponpadith, and today we have Ronald Chapman with us. Ron is an author, speaker, and facilitator of approaches that increase well-beingness and produce breakthroughs when practiced deeply and in sustained fashion. He is the creator of Seeing True and Progressive Recovery, Resources dedicated to exploring concepts of engaging, releasing, and transcending blockages in our lives. At the heart of seeing true and all of his work is the Greek notion of metanoia, which could translate as a profound change of heart. Ronald maintains two core businesses as well. Leading Public Health provides facilitation, strategy, and consultation to public health clientele, while Magnetic North delivers similar services to a broader array of clients. Ron spent many years as a national award-winning radio commentator on KUNM Radio in Albuquerque, New Mexico. He is an elite accredited speaker through Toastmasters International and an accomplished leadership facilitator working with clients from all over the world, including the Center for Disease Control and the World Health Organization. Ron currently resides in Atlanta and spends much of his time immersed in the great natural beauty of the Southeast. Thank you so much, Ron, for being with us today. I am delighted to be with you and really looking forward to see where we go with this. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by all that you're going to do. Well, I really appreciate your trust. And we're just going to have a conversation. Um, our audiences are really here to get inspired, motivated, really help them to uncover their vision and mission in life and be of support to that. Excellent. Great. Well, what I'd love to start with is asking you a little bit about the transformational work that you do. Why did you decide to move in a direction with your businesses that you would help change lives in this way, truly transform them? I use that word because that's really the work that you do. Um, What inspired you to move in this direction? Well, as most things go, uh, I mean, it started out of some personal experience, my own transformational experiences, and that involved alcoholism was sort of the, the starting point for it, my recovery from alcoholism. But what happened to me was a, a realization that that transformation is not limited to any one place, any one circumstance, that in fact it should be replicable. And one of my advisors really held the truth that we are wired for transformation. It is it is our nature as humans and in the organizations we create. And the more I d- dug into it, Malia, I mean, the honest truth is I just became enthralled with the ways to break things wide open for myself and for others and have become a student of it and deeply passionate about people and organizations realizing their potential because there's always a, a great deal that is untapped. And when it pours forth, I kind of feel like I'm doing justice to my life on earth. 
That's so beautiful. Well, let me ask you this question. Why did you decide that you were going to um, do this, live your life's work through a business or businesses versus just going to work for an organization that supports public health, that supports personal uh, transformation? Why did you choose the path of entrepreneurship? Well, I think there's probably two answers to that question. The first one came in a really excellent career coaching session where the career coach helped me understand that I didn't fit into cubicles very well. <laughs> um, I just don't. I couldn't, I couldn't confine myself. I couldn't stay in my lane, as they like to say, organizationally. And, and so that was, that was a piece of it. And the other piece, which I'm going to attribute to something larger than me, uh, I, I could not not do this. I mean, it just it 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 grabbed me in ways that um, are pretty inexplicable. And at every turn, Malia, I just couldn't I, I I couldn't not go down this path. It's it, there are times when I talk about how this is what I signed up for in this incarnation. That this is work I just must do. And uh, I've been unable to walk away from it. I've tried several times because it's a little crazy making, but this seems to be what I'm here to do. But how do you know that, Ron? And I, I really want to, <laughs> I really want to hone in on this because, again, okay. our listeners truly, um, a lot of them are really at that place in their lives sure. when they feel like there has to be a change, but they may not be sure what is next and how do you uncover that? So when you say that I couldn't walk away from this, I knew that this was mine to do. How does one know that something is theirs to do and only theirs to do? My goodness, that is uh, that may be the best question I've ever been asked. So thank you. You're welcome. Let's I'm very. I I, I want to hear the answer. Let's see what you come up if, with. Let's see if I can do justice. <laughs> oh, okay. So on the one hand, I think the clearest piece came because I kept being asked to do this work. It came through my core businesses, which actually started out as just pure facilitation, but then. Uh, groups would ask me to take them places that I hadn't anticipated. And so I kept being asked over and over again to move into that space. And the part that really sold it for me, though, and I now think of this through the framework, the the, the Strengths Foundation framework that we're finding um, being manifest as assessments and so forth is, mm -hmm. it turns out that what fills me up is when I'm in this co-creative space with a person, with an entity, with an organization. There's just a magic there for me. And even as I, even as I describe it to you at this moment, I can feel it as a, as a feeling high up in my chest, which I would call joy. Mm. So I can just feel it in my body. And if I'm really honest, I didn't know that originally. What I had to do was to be taught by a couple of very good coaches and therapists how to begin to listen to my insides. Uh, and the result of that was that it's almost like my uh, a radar now that tells me, um, a, an internal radar that tells me when I'm on track and when I'm off track. Uh, so uh, there's a knowingness there that, uh, as crazy as this may sound to, to our listeners, it, it's not something I necessarily think. Mm-hmm. It's like the thinking is the translation of, I mean, like the kind of work you do, the kind of work I, I do, 
It's helping people put words to something that they they just know in themselves. And it's it, it's tricky to pull out, as I'm sure you know. Oh, yes. Yes. And it's but it's there. It's yes. all there. And the words that um, actually bubble up come from the core of who you are. It's just never been practiced. You haven't really learned how to tell that story because you're probably trapped like we all are sometimes in an old version of self that's ever changing mm-hmm. and growing. But mm-hmm. we never get asked to practice the the reality of today. We're always thinking, tapping back into what happened yesterday, what were my fears and traumas back then, and mm-hmm. how am I being because of that versus hey, the rewiring of the brain that we talked about. So mm-hmm. I love that you mentioned also, Ron, mentor, you know, mm-hmm. and you tapped upon this um, because mentorship, I think, is something that we all, all crave. Uh, not all of us know how to ask for it or not all of us believe that it's accessible, that, that we can find a mentor, that we can even ask for mentorship without feeling weak or vulnerable. So what I'd love for you to share with us is, you know, who has been or what has been the most uh, instrumental in your development and as related to mentorship, but where else do you get the type of support that you need to put one foot in front of the other and live this legacy-driven life that you have intentionally chosen? Mm -hmm. Again, I'm right with you on this about the value and importance of mentorship, and it's a daunting space too, isn't it? Mm And so 27 years ago, I asked a guy who now lives outside of Austin, Texas, I asked him to help me with my life path. I, at the time, didn't know that he possessed as much knowledge and wisdom as he did, uh, but there was an affinity there. There's a, sometimes we cross paths with people and we just know there's, there's something there that, that we that we can do business with as the saying might go. And so I was drawn to that in him. And so for 27 years, he's been been guiding me, uh, less so in recent years, uh, because what's happened is I've, I've collected other mentors along the way. I have a woman out in Denver, Colorado, who we co-coach each other. She's a master coach and I'm a master coach. And so we, we get on the phone once a month and we talk through where we are and we share suggestions for how to tackle it. I've had a couple of spiritual mentors who were really instrumental because I, every now and then I'll get a coaching client who will say, I just want to talk about my business. <laughs> and, and, you know, I just haven't had any luck because I don't think that this expression we're being called to, I don't think it confines itself. It's sort of what we are and who we are. So I've had a couple of very important spiritual advisors, some of whom were the ones who helped me tap into listening to what I what I sense rather than what I think, because mm-hmm. I didn't know how to do that. I was a I was an overthinker, so they have also been instrumental. And then here's the one that here's my my favorite tip: if if any of our listeners, if if, if you find yourself in a place, a setting, a circumstance where somebody says something and you can just feel there's something there, embrace your discomfort and go ask them. Because you don't know what's waiting for you there. And the only way to find out is to ask the question and to follow that sense that you have that someone's got something for you. Uh, in many instances, it will come to nothing. Uh, but many of them many of them will open up remarkable doors because the amazing thing is how much people want to help us with the pursuit of our desires if approached, you know, in the right place and circumstance. 
That's really brilliant. Well, I really, again, appreciate that you mentioned the spiritual mentorship uh, and also the business mentorship. Um, but the personal development is so critical. I feel, I, I think it's a lot more quote unquote popular today to mm -hmm. accept the concept of, you know, really the left brain and the right brain meeting as a leader. But for so long, you know, we've all been taught, at least in my generation, I'm a generation Xer, and then I have, I, we work with a lot of baby boomers. We've been taught, you know, through also um, universities and colleges or our MBA programs many years ago that, you know, personal is personal. When you go to work, you got to be yeah. professional. And it is it, it does us such a disservice because the connection then at work being stepping into the role of really taking ownership of leadership, um, people want to connect with someone they can relate to. So I love that a lot of the programs out there, a lot of organizations now are really open to and actually have some set aside dollars, which in the past was just like so difficult to mm -hmm. to request the funding for personal softer skill development. So I appreciate the work that you do so much. And when you said spiritual mentorship, that is so important because one has to feel so good at the soul level, you know, mm -hmm. and love themselves and love their lives and have feel a connection to something greater themselves to really lead with that passion, that purpose. A lot of people can lead, but can they lead with intention and passion and purpose where it rallies the whole community of people, right? Would you agree yes, with that? Absolutely. And bless you, Gen Xers and the millennials, because what part of the beauty of our younger cohorts, um, I'm 61, so I can say that now. Part of our beauty <laughs> of, the, of, the, of the Xers and the millennials is they were raised at a time, place, and circumstance where reliance upon the norms imposed upon them could not be trusted any longer. Mm -hmm. So in a lot of ways, you and the millennials who follow you uh, you have been forced to to find this fusion of purpose, of meaning, of 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 personal expression through the things you do, because because a lot of the old systems were essentially set aside, and, and so it's opening up this incredible space that is still treated with a degree of skepticism by baby boomers and older, uh, because it feels sort of self indulgent, perhaps. And yet I was just having this, I was having an opportunity to coach someone over the weekend. She had actually delivered a really beautiful speech. And, and what, I, what I heard her say and do was a demonstration of who she is. And the world needs who she is. The challenge is finding a way to, to how do we get that fully expressed in a way that's appropriate to whatever setting we find ourselves in. So uh, I, I think what we're seeing, Mali, is a, is an evolution in the way we think about the nature of the quote-unquote work we do yes. and certainly a call towards a greater integration that we can't the world just the world just I don't know anybody who just goes off to a job anymore mm -hmm. I just don't know anybody I mean, I'm sure there are some but mostly we're, we're, we're this strange fusion of of the personal and the professional and the creative and and we're a mishmash of things that go with us everywhere, which is why I can't coach someone in just one small aspect of their life because it's all related to the rest. Well, and quite frankly, I think it's all beautiful. I think all the the colors and the and the complexity 
of a work day because you get to, you know, really fully express who you are, finding mm-hmm. the right team members who can really tap into your gifts and talents. Um, we go in a lot and really uncover the gifts and talents of every individual inside a team for the purpose of that, helping them feel like when they come to work, they can fully express, they can share their gifts and talents, they can really be involved and take ownership of every project or every decision. And honestly, a lot of folks, and I know you know this because we're in similar fields of our work, we're in the same fields, but we do it differently, is that, you know, everybody just wants to feel like they can contribute, that they're they're unique and special, and they want to offer their specialness to the world, you know, finding a place where people are like, come on, give me your gifts and talents. It's such a beautiful thing uh, when people don't have that. That's when they feel so disheartened and not connected and they go home depleted, you know. So I just love seeing this, the shift, this change. And I think it's a beautiful thing for society and for humanity, quite frankly. I completely agree. If there's a, a, a lot of the work I do now has to do with this alignment between who you are, your strengths, your talents, your gifts, and what you're doing with your life in whatever forms. Because you're exactly right. I can almost directly correlate whether or not people are true to themselves by whether or not they're feeling invigorated by the way they're spending their days. In fact, I somebody asked me one day, they said, well, how can I, how can I, how can I know that? And I said, well, every Thursday morning, I want you to do a pulse check. If 10 is living your fullest purpose and one is you really have got to go do something else, Every Thursday morning, week after week, I want you to pull out your journal and I want to do an emotional, spiritual pulse check. Was this week a 10 or was this a 1 or where did it fall? And what I find is if people are consistently running 7, 8, you know, they're pretty close to on purpose with most of what they're doing in their life. If it's less than that, we either have to do some mitigation work or we need to reframe their course because they're just not going to do well. And when you when you don't do well, many of the maladies of modern life, you know, the substance abuse problems, the the difficulties in family relationships, all those things are manifestations of being being off track a bit or a lot. And I was thinking about this when we were when we were talking before, Emily, um, that one of the hardest things in the world with that is we have to reject some of the the forms that were imposed upon us. Mm-hmm. You know, when they told you you had to do whatever or learn whatever or be whatever or follow whatever rules, some of those are going to serve us extraordinarily well and some of them will simply misguide us. And so we're we're like set up because of what you were just describing, this beautiful emergence of our uniqueness in the world um, puts us at odds with the forms that will try to be imposed upon us. And so we have to question which of those which of those serve us and which of those don't. Um, and it can be hard walking away from some of them, and I'm very sympathetic to that. Um, but a life is a precious thing, so uh, I do a lot of encouragement for people to find a way out of some of the some of the snares that they found their way into. <laughs> yes, well, I think you and I know this work very well, and yes, there's some a lot of um, sympathizing that happens, and uh, for me, and also for you, when we work with our clients empathy because I've lived through that you know wanting to fit into the mold and the norms of what I thought parents would want or agree with society colleagues peers you know um, gender 
uh, ethnicity, all those things that are a part of our world today, you know, that that goes into our brains and allows us to have those moments of, of humanness and self-doubt. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, I, and I think that it's so precious and so important, like you said, to um, feel or, or understand your own feelings, really to tap into what's going on internally like stop the noise in the head but what's my body telling me what's my gut telling me what's my heart telling me because something is not right from within and you just so what's my body what's my gut what's my heart telling me that's that that's that space the Mm -hmm. the non the the non-intellectual space where and this is harder i hate to over gender gender things but it, 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 I think part of what's changing is the, I mean, many of the things that are more innate to women are are taking the four. Yes. Um, and some of the old static, um, and God, I'm a 61 year old white guy, so I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm very, I'm very sympathetic to how this sounds and how threatening it is. But, but what's happening increasingly? I got excited. I don't know about five years ago, ten years ago now, maybe. When I saw the notion of facilitative leadership begin to emerge in the conversation, mm-hmm. and facilitative leadership is non-hierarchic, non-authority based, non-directive, um, and it's more associated with what historically women have had to do to keep families and communities running. So naturally, we're seeing this emergent uh, emergence of a of a, a, a non-authoritative leadership style. Which is actually at this stage in our in our evolution as a as a civilization is far more effective, but we sure do love it when someone will tell us what to do. Except, of course, when we stop loving it and then we rebel. <laughs> um, so there's a there's a there's a real beautiful emergence there of of something that is far more effective, um, and yet we're kind of growing into it because there's a lot of growing pains rejecting some of the old for the new. Oh, yes. And then then also the stumbling back into it because, you know, doing something new, getting out of our comfort zone is so scary. Sometimes we wake up and we're like, okay, I think I'm just going to go back. This is too, (laughs) this is too like scary. It's too dark here. It's too muddy. It's like, and then when it does become bright and vibrant, it's like, oh my gosh, too much going on, too much change happening. What can I do to go back under the blanket and feel safe again? You know, and then you get up in the morning, you realize, okay, but something inside of me says, keep going, keep going. I'm not fully happy here. So I know I'm walking in the right direction. It's just scary what I'm experiencing on this journey. Um, to full expression, to fully living, to being expansive, you know, it's, and and I love witnessing that in clients, but I am living that every day, you know, this is, it's not easy to know that even on this particular program, that 80 plus countries, and who knows who's listening is is listening to our words, listening Mm -hmm. to our passion and our joy and our commitment to share our insights, you know, it's, it's scary. So I, I flash back. This is about two years ago. I was at Georgia State University here in Atlanta, and I was speaking to a bunch of students soon to graduate. And I mean, they were students, right? Twenty-one, twenty-two. Um, yeah, they're, they're bright and you know, slightly crazy and all that. And some of them were there for the pizza, and others were there because I don't know why they were there. But a few, <laughs> a few were there because they really wanted to learn something. There was this young woman uh, named uh, Gabrielle. I found out afterwards because we chatted, and 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 I could tell she was tracking Malie. She was she was here for something, and so when we went into the Q and A, she goes, "Well, Mr. Chapman, 
what's the one recommendation you would have for me? And I <laughs> said, do you really want, do you really want to know? And she leaned in and she said, yeah, what's the one thing that would make all the difference for me? And I said, I want you to always go to what makes you uncomfortable mm. because you will never learn anything transformative in your comfort zone. Everything that will change your life and make you what you have the potential to be will cause discomfort. And once you normalize the embracing of discomfort, once you realize that that's magical space, it doesn't necessarily get easier, but the wherewithal to engage it goes up dramatically because you realize that it's vitality, it's, it's growth, it's, it, it, it's everything we're looking for. But just as you were describing, Emily, we, we have to get over that resistance of the scary, the, the fear-based thinking, the, the tendency to retreat away from what makes us uncomfortable. And uh, if anybody happens to be a Buddhist who's listening, this is, a, this is the space that, uh, that, that they talk about, about leaning into the sharp points. Uh-huh. Because it's the sharp points where where we're going to um, where we're really going to engage and grow. But it's the last thing in the world most of us feel like what we want to do. Oh yes, I don't remember if this is something I read from a you know a great thought leader or if it's something a mentor of mine told me. But um, I I heard somewhere that if you are if you live your life and on a daily basis if you're not uncomfortable at least one time that day you're not growing that day so it's so perfect for for your point of you know kind of walking through that uncomfortable place and space in your life and i think it's uh it's challenging and that's why mentorship coaching um getting together with like-minded folks who can walk you through and have been there before something similar is so important and mm -hmm. you know that you don't isolate yourself when you're uncomfortable because that's the tendency right it's like oh i don't yeah. feel good i don't feel comfortable i don't want to tell anybody about this let me retreat let me just do this myself um, and that there's, it's good to have quiet time to process, uh, mm -hmm. but it's also critical when you're walking through something so difficult that you have a support system. Yes. And I, I, I have to add to that when you talk about something being really difficult, what I have seen in my own development and the development of others is when we learn how to go to that space that is really difficult. And when we learn how to navigate it. All of our skills, all of our abilities go up dramatically because we're, we're pushing. I mean, it makes perfect sense, right? We're really pushing ourselves to go into that space. And yet there's a lot of reluctance, reticence, fear, et cetera. Uh, and one of my, one of my teachers, uh, God, I, I loved her. And she, uh, she said one day when I was, I, was, I was talking about how difficult it was, she said, well, some days, Ron, you won't be able to do it. But just tell yourself the truth. Don't lie. <laughs> admit, admit to yourself. It's like, I'm just not up for this today. And that's fine. Just uh -huh. don't lie to yourself about it. Don't pretend like you're playing your A plus game and lie to yourself about it. If today's a day where you got to get by with a B plus day, have a B plus day and be honest with yourself about it. And then on the next day, see if you can jam yourself into an A plus push day. Um, and that served me well because there are those mornings. I'm sure you've had this where you, oh, yes. you you wake up and you say, "I'm just, I just, I just can't do this today. I'm gonna like, I'm gonna lay low and play small." And and sometimes I'll take a nap in the afternoon, and next thing I know, I'm back in the game. But 
Um, what I think where that comes from is a place of empathy that does acknowledge that this can be very difficult, challenging, threatening work. And, um, and what we don't want to do is we don't want to stop. Mm-hmm. But if we need if we need a break, if we need to self-care for a little bit, that is perfectly OK. Just be honest with yourself that that's what you're doing. Yes. And, and especially in the type of work where we're in service to support other people emotionally, mentally, carry a space and hold their energy, uh, we have to make time for that. I've learned that through the years because mm-hmm. I used to not make time for myself. And I was I'm so empathetic uh, that, you know, I would go on and go on and go on supporting, being of support. And then I would crash for weeks because I didn't do the daily routines. I didn't tap. I didn't meditate. I didn't, you know, basically protect my energy sphere. Mm-hmm. I am. Uh, I've had to learn exactly the same lesson because uh, when I'm tapped out, no good will come of it. Uh, <laughs> and, and I have to. I, and I have to be mindful of that, especially my my propensity for overdoing. I. Uh, I'm afraid I'm. Uh, I have a very tough time declining an opportunity to a cool experience, uh, and and yet I've had to become I've had to become wiser about that because it does exactly what you say. You you end up with a train wreck in your life because you've you've pushed yourself past the point where you can maintain. Yes. Well, I I really appreciate everything that you've shared because, oh my gosh, I can totally relate. I feel your passion so much. I had a couple moments where I had some um, goosebumps, so I call them truth bumps uh, as you were speaking. <laughs> and so what I want to do is switch gears a little bit because this is something that I'm very fascinated about. Can you tell me more about The Killer's Grace? Uh, for our listeners, um, you know, we, we mentioned in the bio that Ron is also an author and uh, I really want you to share with us why, what, what inspired you to write A Killer's Grace. Um, tell us more about like your learnings as you were chronicling this and, and what made you want to release this type of book and experience to the world. So please well, recap you. for us. Yeah. Um, thank you for asking that. It's a, it's a, a very interesting and close to my heart story. I, some years ago, I had a chance. Um, I came by a letter from a serial killer, a man who had raped and murdered seven women and was caught and incarcerated. And he was he was writing about what um, what he had learned. Uh, and this was before he was put to death. And uh, he gave me permission to use any of his materials as long as I never disclosed who he is, because he did not want any of the the families of his victims to suffer ever again. And he told a most profound story about uh, a mental health, a sexual paraphiliac disorder, which essentially means that he was allergic to his own testosterone, which made him violent. And when he was caught and they took him off the testosterone, he uh, reawakened to his own remorse. Mm -hmm. And his message was that if all you do is call me evil and put me to death, your little girls will suffer in the future because there are little boys just like me. And it was such a profound truth. What he was telling me is that he had a condition which caused things and we needed to learn and grow from. And I had an extraordinary correspondence with him and and asked him if I could fictionalize it. And so part of my body of work is about innocence, is about understanding that every person who's listening and every person who's not listening, you and me, at this moment, place, and time, Molly, we are doing it just as well as we know how. And that includes all the people doing important things. That doesn't mean it's right. That doesn't mean we need to inter- we, we don't intervene. 
it means that we need to understand that in any moment, not one of us, not one of us is showing up less than what we believe to be our best self, even if it's crazy, even if it's heinous. What happens, and the reason it's such an important subject, I'm going to cry now, is it it changed the way I view everybody that I come into space with now. I get it. They're stuck. They're blinded. They don't understand. They're lost. And, and if we can get them found, there will be magic there. Mm-hmm. But I can't work with them as long as I'm judging them. Mm-hmm. There is no place for judgment in my practice. And the result of that has been that, um, and I hold this as sacred space, I have a master's in social work, um, which explains a few things, is that the strangest things will come to me now where I'll be talking with somebody about business and they will all of a sudden, out of the blue, they'll say, do you have some suggestions for how to deal with my heroin addicted daughter? Wow. I was like, well, I didn't sign up for that conversation, right? <laughs> I mean, I thought I was going to do leadership coaching, but the next thing you know, we're, we're in sacred space talking about this thing that is deeply paining to them. Mm-hmm. And what they tell me about why this is so important to me is that what has happened is the feedback I get now is people feel like they can work through anything with me. And that just means that we have all kinds of potential. And so the way I now see this, Malie, is um, I get it that any judgment I hold over anyone is an impediment to us doing this sacred work that we're here to do. Um, and if we want to put that in real practical terms, my judgment may very well keep you from manifesting the business the world needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it took me deep into understanding the nature of judgment and, and the desire and need to, to, to let go of all that. And um, I almost cried about it because I'm aware that this was, this was one of those metanoia moments for me. Yeah. It has changed. <laughs> there it goes again. There's the feeling. There's the truth bumps, honey. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, I shouldn't call you honey, but that's but, okay. It's a sacred space here. <laughs> but, but, but what happened is it changed my entire experience of you and me and everybody. Yeah. And the result is that I can do a kind of work that prior to that clarity, um, it was just impossible for me to do that work because of my judgments. And, and the crazy part, the crazy part is I learned this from a serial killer, Malie. Mm-hmm. Of all the places in the world that I had imagined I would get mentoring, that was not a place that I thought I would learn from. And yet it proved to be an incredibly fertile space. Um, and so I'm sure you can hear in that the incredible yeah. um, the incredible clarity I have about how important that non-judgmentalism has proven to be. It's, it, it's changed my life. Well, Ron, thank you so much for sharing A Killer's Grace with the world. And thank you for tapping into the purity that lived inside of that soul that mm. was so layered. <clears throat> Excuse me, I get emotional too. Mm. Layered with all the stuff that he had to live through in this life. Mm-hmm. Um, that sense of that, that place that you could get to where we all came into this world with some level of purity and innocence, actually all level of purity and innocence, and the world shapes us and yes. our, and the environment shapes us. And, you know, we, that, that, that soul has gifted the world through you, 
through being able to find somebody who would take the time mm -hmm. to share a different perspective that is not quote unquote the norm. Yeah, and thanks it's for... uncomfortable and it will be uncomfortable for a lot of folks to read the book but as they read it they're walking through the uncomfortable so that they can have profound knowledge yeah and um and thanks for doing justice to that by by um i mean i i get that you get it and that is a beautiful thing because it's um it's, it's a powerful story but as you say it is not a, it is not a it is not a comfortable one mm -hmm. um, but, you know, the, the stuff that changes us, as I said earlier, is the stuff that's going to take us into our discomfort. Well, I'm so grateful that you spent the day this morning with me and with our audience. I'm grateful that you did have moments of profound feelings <laughs> um, because that is that is what that is what we all experience in life and to have a safe place. Although we know that a lot of people are listening, going to be listening to this program, but the, you know, between right now, what you and I are exchanging is a safe place where people know that they can truly just be, that there is a space for them in this world where people will accept that you are just doing and being the best possible version of yourself at this moment in time, and you're growing every day. So thank you for the work that you do, Ron. Thank you so much for, for deciding and saying yes to choosing our program and sharing your insights with us. Well, I'm delighted to have had such a moving and useful conversation with you. Please keep up the good work. It's um, I can I, I've had a lot of conversations with a, a, a lot of media settings over the years, and um, this is this is some extraordinarily good work you're doing, Malie. So congratulations on that. Thank you so much. That means so much to me, Ron. Can you please tell our audience how they can get a hold of you, learn more about you, be in connection with you? Sure. Uh, easiest way to find out all about me is at ronaldchapman.com. Um, but part of my practice also is to is to put great stuff into the world. So I have a site called seeingtrue.com, S-E-E-I-N-G-T-R-U-E, where there's just a bunch of free content about all of this. There's videos and blogs and interviews I've done with people, and it's all out there. It's free, requires nothing of you, um, and it's just because there's uh, there's <laughs> – I'm living a charmed life, Malie, and um, I, uh, I, whether it's paying it forward or paying it back, I don't know. But there's a, there's a, there's a need to put some of this out in the world, and uh, so people should go there and check it out. Well, thank you so much, everyone. Please check it out. And again, the name of his book is A Killer's Grace. Um, look it up if you're interested. Be ready to be uncomfortable, but be ready to be profoundly impacted. And again, Ron, thank you so much for your time. And we definitely plan to stay in touch. I really value the work that you do. Keep it up as well, okay? Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Well, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the SOAR Community Network podcast. You know how much we appreciate you and love you all for being a great support, uh, living your life with purpose and joy and intention. We're always here to support that. Please learn more about us at SOARcommunitynetwork.com. And you can always reach us at info at SOARcommunitynetwork.com. Until next time, take good care, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of SOAR Podcast. Join us by visiting soarcommunitynetwork.com.